I am here with Mecca Woods, who is an astrologer, an author, a new friend from this past year. Yes. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Very, very excited to have you. It's always a true delight for me to get to sit and chat with another astrologer because astrology can be so insular oh, sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of self-interpretation so it's nice to just like have a little grounding reality check (laughs) when looking at the stars right um so can you tell us a little bit about who you are how you got into astrology what your journey has been sure so uh, my name is mecca woods and um i just published my first book astrology for happiness and success um this past october uh, Which before- I have, and it is amazing. Oh, thank you. I love it. I love your book, too. Oh, thank you. Um, we also have the same publisher, too. Yes, so. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so crazy how that happened. Um, so my journey into astrology really started maybe about like eight or nine years ago, um, possibly 10 years ago. And it was really a situation where I was at a crossroads, like a personal crossroads, you know, not really happy with the job that I had, not happy in love and relationships, and just kind of figuring out like, okay, what do I, what should I be doing? You know, what, where am I going from here? You know, I'm a Sagittarius, so it's always big picture shit. Right, and like, where do I go from here is exactly the right Sagittarius question. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I was having, um, you know, sort of like an existential crisis. I had just, um, did I finish my Saturn return? I was either coming up on my Saturn return or, or just finishing it. And just kind of in a place of kind of like, I don't I don't really like where I am. And I picked up a book by Kiki T, which was called The Celestial Sex Pots Handbook. And Ooh, it had to that do... That sounds sexy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, shout out to Kiki T, uh, who's an astrologer and uh, a Scorpio, double Scorpio, actually. And so anyway, I read this book because um, it had to do with love and relationships because I was actually dating a Scorpio at the time and trying to figure out my shit and like what is going on here. And I uh, loved the book, got readings with her. And that was actually like the first time I found out about a birth chart because I knew what my sign was, but I didn't know about the moon and the rising and all that. And um, she told me things about myself that no one else would probably have known had I, you know, not to- told them. And I was just hooked from there. Um, Pluto was also sitting on my Mercury around that time. So it was like I was obsessed with learning everything that I possibly could about and which astrology. Sign is, which sign is your Mercury in again? Uh, Capricorn. And your moon is Capricorn too? My moon is in Aquarius. Okay, cool. So yeah. Leo rising, Leo rising, Sag, Sag sun, sun, Aquarius, Aquarius moon. moon. Yes. Very cool. Um, and so, yeah, from there, it was just like, I was able to see that with astrology, you could do so much with it in terms of like unpacking stuff and like navigating all the like the twists and turns that life has to throw at you and taking advantage of opportunities. And it just kind of coincided with the fact that like I got to the point where I was just ready to quit my job. And I up and left without even having a safety net. It was terribly scary because I also am a mom and, you know, not knowing where your next like paycheck was going to come from was 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 really crazy. And what I ended up doing was I studied astrology and took like like a part time retail job as I studied it because I decided that is what I wanted to do. Um, And the reason why I decided that was because I started practicing doing astrology charts for like friends and family and people were like whoa like you really have a gift for this like you should do this for real and finally I was like yeah maybe I should because I you know Aquarius Moon Sag I want to help and save the world and all that altruistic stuff (laughs) but (laughs) but essentially I mean 
I just practiced and I studied. I studied under Rebecca Gordon, um, who has her My Path Astrology Yeah, school. she's great. She's so sweet. She's amazing. And she's an amazing teacher. And she really broke astrology down for me in a way that my uh, Mercury and Capricorn could understand. And, um, and she's just so supportive. And, and she really kind of... Um, help me to gain the confidence to be able to step out and actually do it professionally. Because I think sometimes being in this field, it can also be kind of daunting, you know, in terms of like, do I, am I interpreting these things the right way? You know, am I giving people the right information? And, you know, there's a lot of stuff to absorb. And so I think sometimes when you're just starting out, it can be, like you were saying, very insular um, and kind of a scary place to kind of walk into. But she, you know, she she supported me all the way and she still does. And and yeah, that that's kind of like how I found my path. So astrology. when what was the point? I actually this is a two part question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My my first question, which leads into the next is what was if you can remember the the placement or the statement or the expression or the thing that really was like, oh, shit, a birth chart is where it's at. And then followed up with what was the moment when you said, I think I'm ready to start charging for this? Right. There's so many things in the birth chart. I think for me, um, because it was a it was it was love related stuff that kind of triggered the that got the ball rolling. I would probably say it was probably my Venus Neptune. Um, Because I have Sun, Venus, Neptune conjoined together in Sagittarius in my fourth house. And not only does that have to do with like relationship stuff, but a lot of it is also connected to family related Mm -hmm. stuff and like family dynamics and things of that nature. Also having a Saturn ruled moon. So there are certain patterns that I had in my relationships that kept, you know, keep repeating them over and over until you get the lesson of it. And I think for me, it was really about like um, you have more to offer and you need to treat that as such and I would say that would probably be the correlation too in terms of charging for my services of just realizing like all the energy all the time all the patience all the everything that I was putting into learning it and learning the craft and saying wait a minute I'm actually good at this you know I'm actually good at in terms of what I'm doing I think it's time for me to actually start charging for my my services. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, charging for services is so so important mm. um, for people who are listening who are maybe just beginning their practice. It's definitely a process, mm, right? Yes. When I first started charging people, after years of just you know being like a, my main party trick, right, <laughs> was right, like busting right. out my skills <laughs> at social events, right. Um, I was very trepidatious about it. I, um, I think I charged like five dollars mm. for a reading at one point, and just same, but yeah, yeah, and just started like working my way up, and always studied. I want astrology to be accessible, mm-hmm. and I want it to. I don't want to price people out of having the service of having a chart read because right. I think it is so important mm-hmm. um, for understanding self and empathy and kindness. Right. But at the same time, if when we're when we're paying for services, it's ultimately somebody's time. Right. And time is the most valuable resource. And as a Capricorn Saturn person, I am so sensitive to the clock ticking away. Right. And I think that it's it's a very delicate balance of figuring out exactly what the right price to charge for such a an abstract um, gift is. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. And I think 
one of the things that also kind of helped me to figure out the difference between charging and, and kind of doing it for free was also the amount of like time and dedication. I mean, even now, like having published a book and all that, like I still, I'm like, I don't know anything, <laughs> you know, totally. like, <laughs> like I still will be like, I need to learn. I need to study. I need to, you know, so I think that thing of constantly putting that investment into yourself and, and translating that investment into, you know, clients and, and makes a big difference. Do you still get your chart read by other people? I do. I do. Um, Rebecca will read it for me sometimes. Sometimes I'll look at, like, have other scholars. I think that's kind of, like, one of the things that we tend to do. I think we've done that before. Yeah. Kind of like, there's my chart. Here's my chart. Look at it. What do you see? Um, yeah, I do. Um, I also kind of like the idea of like other people kind of getting a take on my chart too um because sometimes you're so close to it you can see certain things but when other people look at it they see something totally different i just had robert hand read my chart Ooh, and it was so cool i um another person who i've admired their work for so long Mm -hmm. and then when i booked the reading i was like oh my god i can't is it gonna really be him right right um and he comes to you from a video chat from Las Vegas, Nevada. So it kind of, it does feel a little like Wizard of Oz magical. Right, um, he's a Sag too. He's such yeah. a Sag. <laughs> but we actually have, his ascendant is my descendant. Oh, wow, okay. At the same degree. Mm-hmm. So we have, it was it was kind of cool. I was like, you mean we're connected? Like, yeah, that's yeah. a cool very, thing. Very client, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he, um, so when I booked the reading with him, he was, he's expensive. I mean, it was a, I think it was like $350 for Mm, the session. mm, mm. And it was an interesting moment where I sort of put myself back in the seat of the client Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and really sort of weighed the pros and cons of like, is this worth the investment right now? Mm, mm -hmm. And it 100% was. Mm, And mm. the $350 that was, I think it was like maybe 90 minutes of talking to him Mm, was mm. absolutely incredible. Mm. And that was the the right price point for it. Yeah. And it really goes to show that especially, you know, a lot of things can be expensive in this space. Mm. Mm -hmm. But as long as you're working with somebody who's actually knows what they're doing and is priced accordingly to their experience and to their, um, to what their skill sets are. I mean, suffice it to say, I really like to talk about money because I'm a Capricorn rising. <laughs> but I'm it. sure you can you can understand as with your Capricorn Mercury chart Cap. as well. Yes, and um, Saturn in the first. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> but I also think that it is one of the, you know, for me, it also feels like a responsibility. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a lot of weird um, delusions surrounding money. My mm. Both my mother and my father are very weird with it. Mm didn't talk about it, still don't talk about it. Mm. It's, you know, my mom um, raised me thinking that we had a lot more than we did. We did not. My father is very nebulous with even what resources he has available ever. So I never knew how to make money. Mm. And I never knew what a good amount to charge for something or pay for something was because mm. nobody taught me. Mm-hmm. So I've really had to, you know, had a lot of ups and downs. I also have the moon in my second house in Pisces mm. um, w- regarding like how much is the, what's the right price for this? How do I support myself as an astrologer? How can I make a living doing this that is actually sustainable? Mm. So to me, I think that destigmatizing conversations about money within our world is really important um, because it's not just 
you know, for, I guess for me, from the outside perspective, it would have been easy to say like, oh, well, if you're doing that, like clearly you must have a trust fund because I don't know how else you're going to be able to make it work. Right. But it can work. Mm-hmm. It just takes a lot of figuring out and negotiating and trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I totally agree. I mean, um, it like I, I went through a steady sort of um, a steady process of like, raising my prices until it got to a point where I was like, okay, this, I feel like this is fair. And and I feel like fair to the client and also fair to me in terms of what I'm uh, putting in and what I'm bringing to the table. But yeah, there were, there were several times that I kind of went back and forth with myself in terms of like, Oh, you know, should I be charging this much? And, And then, you know, I think as you were talking before about like the kind of work that we do, I remember seeing um, arguments on Twitter, as one is apt to do, because Twitter is where you go to argue. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember seeing arguments about people who were saying, like, oh, you know, if you work in, like, you know, spiritually, you know, guiding someone or working, like, you know, with divination, that you shouldn't charge, you know, that it aye, should aye, be aye. something... Um, that you should do for free. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I mean, I have rent and bills and a child. Like, you know, like I wish, you know, I would could be able to provide the service for free. But to me, when I think about spirituality, I don't think of it as a place where, you know, like you should do it from a place of lack. You know, I think that's also kind of like what I think about money I think about it in terms of like something that you should be able to live off of, you know, and be comfortable. I, I like that the idea of like the element of earth helps us to be comfortable in this 3D life. Yeah. You know, and I that's why I tell people, you know, like money. Yes, it's not, you know, everything, but, you know, it's OK to want money and to want to live. Absolutely. And to come from a place of abundance is always better than to come from a place of scarcity. Right. And, you know, especially, like, within this space, there are so... People just are... Can be such energy sucks for mm-hmm. us, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure you have this experience of going somewhere, sitting at a dinner table, and you reveal that you're an astrologer, and somebody's like, okay, well, tell me, who should I be with? Like, right. I am a Scorpio. Am I compatible with my boyfriend? He's a Libra. And you're just like... Okay, like I couldn't tell you that from the information you gave me <laughs> right, right now, right, but, right. <laughs> you know, and even on on the internet, like I, people will hit me up to clarify something I posted, to ask me a question, and I try to respond mm. to, especially if it's a if it's a nicely worded question mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's coming from a very genuine place. But sometimes it's not. Like sometimes people get really nasty if I can't give them the response. Or they're like, why wouldn't you be able to tell me, you know, is this person going to leave me? Why don't you know? And it's like, first of all, I'm not a fortune teller. Second of all, like, go to the website. Right. Like, this is, that's not fair. Yeah. And just because I have a skill set in something that you might be interested in, you don't, like, go to a hairdresser and you're like, okay, you know how to do this. So can you, can you get right. it done for me? Right, right. You and then for pay free. for them. Ask- yeah. <laughs> you pay for the service. Right, right. Um, but I think that because astrology is, it's kind of lawless. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it doesn't have a lot of precedent. You don't grow up knowing how to create a career as an astrologer. Right. That we do have to. It's our responsibility to really define what the boundaries are. Right. Right. Um, and to say like this isn't this is a way that I would like to work. 
or not. Mm-hmm. And to hope that people are also going to be respectful of that, too. Yeah. You know, I, I remember like when I first started uh, practicing astrology and I was like hungry for new clients. And, you know, I would t- go out of my way to kind of like give people free information. And then slowly but surely, as I got to a point where um, my work started to become more and more visible, um, I started to find that people would like tweet me their charts, you know, <laughs> and um, recent, most recently actually had someone who uh, says that she reads my horoscope column very regularly, but was like, you know, like I had to go to South Africa. So instead of doing dailies, I did uh, weeklies for the two weeks that I was away. And she emailed me twice to ask me like where the dailies were. And I didn't respond because I don't work for you. (laughs) You know, like, I'm glad that you're reading my stuff. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I think, yeah, I agree that I think as astrologers, you know, as practitioners, you know, we do have to sort of set a precedent in terms of like how people interact with us. And so like, for me now, like when people come to me with questions, if I feel like it, I'll answer it, but I won't go into depth. And there's sometimes people will still tweet me their charts and I'll just ignore the tweet. Yeah. 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 I think that that is one of some of the things that I did recently that really changed the game for me were just creating a non-personal email that things went to. And I think Mm. you have something similar on your website where Mm. you have the um, a forum to fill out to contact you. And so creating something like that and then using a, a an online booker mm. to schedule the appointment so mm. that I don't have to like look at my calendar, carve out the time, but it just it syncs with my Google calendar so it can show my availability automatically. Right. And those are such small things, but they have made such a huge difference in my quality of life mm-hmm. because it allows me to um not be overly consumed by people without pulling, right, without pulling. in the time that I, we're going to be sitting and working together right right because the time that it took to schedule before i set this up you know that was another maybe could be an hour could be two hours of like going back and forth with that person right. figuring out when worked for me when worked for them right how should we do this should it be a call should it be in person should it be skype and then by the time I actually got to the session with them, I had already spent all of this time mm. investing in setting it up before mm. we had even really gotten into the chart. Right. So right. just like making things clean and simple and, oh, it's so much better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So you mentioned going to South Africa and yes. I want to hear all about this journey that you went on. Yeah. So it was... Um the way that it happened, it was definitely, I would say, like an alignment because the way it happened. So I didn't realize that I had like a lot of people who follow my work that live out in South Africa um, until recently. And so basically um, sometime last year, I was doing an event in Brooklyn and I was tweeting about the event in Brooklyn. Someone in South Africa saw it and was like, man, you know, I wish I lived in the States because I would you know, totally come to this event. And I was like, so that prompted me to tweet. I would totally come to South Africa and teach astrology if there were enough people out there that wanted me to to come. And um, someone responded and was like, come, we would love to have you and we'll take care of everything. And that person actually happened to be uh, Megan Nell, who um, is this wonderful uh, cancer that lives out in Joburg with her husband, Greg. And she basically set the whole thing up. She was like, uh, you know, your book, you know, we would have 
you know, we could do like events and talks around your book. Um, and it just, we just kind of planned it from there. And so um, everything just sort of fell into place. And I went to stay first on uh, a game reserve for the very first time. So I got to see like all the animals out there, zebra and um, what else would we see? Giraffe. Like it was just, it was just, I mean, the, the total difference from being like in New York and like the hustle and bustle and the cold and then going there and just being like in like nature, it was just, it was, it was really amazing. But what I did was I actually got to sit, sit on a, um, a panel um, with this woman, uh, Nokulinda, who is a Sangoma out there. And basically uh, what Sangomas do is they talk to the ancestors and they divine information for people based on uh, ancestral tradition. And we basically sat on the panel and just kind of had a talk about like, pretty much like this, like, you know, what it means to be a diviner, you know, what it means to deal with people and kind of letting people know that like, you know, when it comes to like rituals, for example, like to take it easy on the rituals, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to do a ritual every new moon or every full moon. Sometimes you just got to be patient and let things cook. And, you know, even if something feels challenging, you know, kind of fighting the urge to kind of like, I got to do something, I got to fix this, I got to, you know, do some magic or some spell work in order to get out of this thing. And sometimes it's like, you just have to go through that. And so like we, you know, we're just having a conversation about that. And um, I remember Megan's mother, she had posted on Instagram and she, she was talking about how she thought that the bridge between, um, you know, the Sangoma and astrology was going to be too far in terms of like the teachings and like the philosophies. But she was so surprised and delighted to see like how much me and Nokulinda was like, agreeing with each other That's about so like cool. they, and it was, which was really great um and yeah people were just so responsive and so receptive to it so i did that and then um after that there was a book signing that i did um and it was at one of the very few black owned bookstores there in joburg um and a lot of like of the youngsters came out like like under 21 you know 21 and under which is really cool because I think with South Africa, astrology is there, but it's also, I think for some people, like still kind of like a relatively new concept. Um, they're kind of like, what, you know, what is this? What is this stars? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, and so I was able to, the way that I teach it, I, you know, I was able to, to bring it to them in a way that they were curious and um, they could see like how astrology could relate to their life in terms of like who they were and um, you know, how they were navigating their life. I did have people who were asking me really great questions like, what's the difference between astrology and fortune telling? Great fucking question. Yes, yes. And <laughs> Glad someone is asking. Yes, yes. And I was able to explain the difference between that and saying that, you know, astrology is not about like having something that's set in stone, you know, that it's that free will is involved. It's about the choices and the opportunities, you know, that you take and the choices that you make. So there was just like a lot of great conversations and people really connecting with me and my work and people really loving the book. Um, and and then after that, there was another event that we did where um, I met another woman. Um, her name is Nonku and she has a farm 
And her thing was talking about, she was another Sagittarius with a Taurus moon. And Oh, I love that. Yes. That's nice. <laughs> and she had this beautiful farm that she basically grew from scratch. Wait, I'm sorry. A farm with a Sag sun and, and a, a Taurus, Taurus moon, moon is so yes. fucking perfect. Yes. Because it's the expanse of like land. Land and abundance. Abundance. Yes. And then Taurus, which is so earthy yes. and so of the, yes, yes, and like the physical terrain yes oh my god yes and a virgo rising so her her whole thing was that she was basically doing like farm to table like that was her business like growing um things organically and then delivering it to people um as a means of like wanting to get people to be more invested in the things that they were eating and so we did a event around food and astrology and that was like I have Jupiter in Cancer, so this is like... This, I do, too. You do? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so, yeah, so, like, food and, and abundance and Where's your, Where's your Jupiter? Uh, it's in the 11th. Oh, 11th that's house. nice. Yeah, so um, a lot of... I get a lot of that through, like, the people that I meet and, and the friends that I make, but, yeah, it, would, it, was, it was beautiful, um, and then the final day that I was there, I got to go on uh, a safari and hold a lion cub. Oh my god! <laughs> this sounds like a dream trip. It really was. It was. It was. The weather was amazing. The people were so warm and so welcoming. And yeah, I, I had a great time. It was an amazing time. So, how do you think that it's going to inform your practice moving forward? Um, I think that I would love to continue to do more traveling with my work. Um, I definitely think that speaks to like the Sagittarian way um the day that i actually left for south africa jupiter and venus were like on my venus like directly and it was just like yeah this is exactly what i should be doing where i'm supposed to be going everything's sort of like in alignment and um yeah i definitely want to continue to travel and kind of uh spread the astrology word (laughs) yeah i think that's amazing So do you did you find that people were responding to it differently in South Africa mm. than they do here in the United States or was it a very comparable experience? Um I think in some ways it was comparable, but I think the thing that I think really resonated with folks in South Africa was how I think what I found was that the folks in South Africa were able to better understand how much we're connected to the natural world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Western philosophy has put us in a place where it makes us feel as though we're disconnected. Um, and so if you talk about things like divination or astrology or um, different schools of thought, it's kind of painted with this broad brush as being like woo-woo or um fake or pseudoscience and you know all those kinds of different um things that that people like to label uh things like astrology and i think that because i was able to come from that place of kind of like no like this is a thing that we're all connected um and you know what's happening out there it, there's a correlation you know so there, there's there's a relationship to it to it all they were able to really understand it and they were able to be like yeah that that makes sense yeah so how much do you incorporate the ideas of the natural world and um, connectivity within your own practice? Um, I like to think about 
astrology as being sort of like a study of cycles, right? So like um, this idea that what's happening above, that above, as above, so below, you know, that sort of concept. Yeah, so I definitely relate and sort of connect uh, the way that I, that I practice astrology and the way that I teach it as like a as above, so below thing. So even though uh, there are things that may be happening um, to people on an individual level, there's still things that are happening very similarly on a very collective level. And maybe that's kind of like the, the Neptune, Neptunian within me where to me, they're really like, there can be differences in experiences, I think. But I also think that there is a lot that we're all in this together. And I feel like, especially now, especially like when I think about like politically, you know, especially like, you know, for example, like with South Africa, the racial divide and economic divide is still very, very like severe in terms of like Mm post-apartheid. And a lot of like the black South Africans that I was talking to, you know, they're talking about like, you know, just kind of what it means to be in a space or in a country where there's like, there is a overwhelming sense of like, you know, you don't belong here, you know, like you don't belong here or there, or we want to keep you like in these sort of spaces that are away from us, you know? And I think about that in context, you know, I kept telling people when I was there that a lot of what I was feeling there, um, kind of mirrored some things that I felt here, just kind of being black in this country and just kind of like where we are politically, you know? And when I think about that in context to, uh, astrology, I think about that in terms of like also wanting to give people things that they can actually tangibly use for their own life um, in a way that makes sense for them. So for me, there's like, I think about that in context of like going beyond just like, for example, like the love and light sort of semantics mm-hmm. that I hear a lot where there's a lot of spiritual bypassing and, you know, let's just kind of love our way through it. And I'm like thinking about like, well, you can't really love your way through something if your 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 life is in danger, you know, or just because, you know, you look a certain way or, or whatever. So I don't know, I kind of went on a tangent there. But <laughs> but I think I think overall what I'm saying is that the way in which I practice astrology is to show like how we're all connected and how um words mean things, you know, um, the symbolism, um, means things and collectively, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat. And I think that the more that we realize that we're all in the same boat, the more progress can be made. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that is really beautifully articulated. Um, one of my favorite things about astrology is the recognition that, you know, people's problems are their problems, mm. right? There's no, um, sure, like we can try to quantify them somehow, but it's irrelevant. That's mm. stupid work to do, mm. right? To mm. say like this person's issues are bigger than this person's issues. Mm. Everybody is their own universe. Everybody feels sadness and loss and pain. And the more that we can find the kindness to ourselves to give us permission to feel those things, mm. the easier I, I hope it is to be able to put ourselves in the position of somebody who needs us in a different way and say, I see you, I empathize with you, and I support you because I have felt isolated mm. or I've felt um, 
ridiculed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt like I had been left out of this situation. And even if it's not a one-to-one, allowing ourselves to feel the full range of experiences in our own being makes connecting so much easier to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. And I I do, you know, I, I wonder about what's going to happen when Uranus the planet of innovation and revolution goes into Taurus Mm -hmm. when it moves out of Aries, which has really driven so much of this like me centric culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope that we use it to disseminate this a little bit more Mm -hmm. because I think one of the dangers of spirituality, especially today is the narcissism that comes with it too. Mm -hmm. Like I, I believe very heavily in starting spirituality and astrology with looking at one's own chart and doing the work on yourself but at a certain point you got to take it out Mm -hmm. it's not just about like working your own things over and over again that's a repetitive cycle and it's indulgent right like the kindness that you have to find for yourself eventually needs to be okay now it's time to bring this you know 11th house shit Mm -hmm. to bring this and see how i can actually work with it in society at large right um and I think that a lot of the light and love vernacular has to do with that just sort of like, you know, it's just you're orbiting around yourself way too much to realize that that's, that's not going to be enough. Right. And right. I also think that it's, you brought up the manifesting thing that you guys were talking about on the panel. Mm. Um, every moon, I have so many messages come through about rituals, manifestation techniques, and I... I love to work with spells. I love divination. But not every opportunity is something for us to write a list or burn a piece of paper or light some incense. Right. right. Sometimes and we actually have to just feel pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I, I totally agree. And that, that was like, you know, a big part of the conversation that we were having because I think... Because human beings, like, we get used to um, avoiding pain. You know, like, our, our, our sort of default is to avoid, try to avoid the pain or um, avoid the discomfort. And then, you know, you also have that thing of, like, insta- instant gratification. Like, I need for these things to happen right Instagram-ification? now. Instagramification? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> right. Right. I need for these things to happen right now. And you kind of miss the... You miss the the fullness or the richness of the moment of what it means to actually kind of like sit in, in the discomfort, you know? Um, and sometimes you have to do it. And sometimes, you know, when it comes to like manifesting, sometimes it takes many moons for something to, to come to fruition or, or to transpire. And I think that in, you know, with anything that becomes trendy, um, although, you know, astrology is like a century old practice you know people jump on and they say you know this is this is going to be the thing that's going to like rescue me or save me or you know help me to like avoid whatever pain or discomfort that I have to go through and it's kind of like no that's not really what astrology is about you know it can help you to navigate it um and kind of like figure out like how to maybe lessen some of the discomfort but sometimes you got to go through what you have to go through. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of our journey, too, is actually feeling those things. Yeah. And I think this is an interesting segue into another topic I wanted to talk to you about, which was love and compatibility. What is your practice on um, compatibility and synastry? Do you use composite charts, midpoints? What 
How do you work with that? Um, I look at, uh, I do look at com- composites to kind of get a sense of like what the relationship, like the energy of the relationship itself. Um, but I then I also like to look at like the over like house overlays and kind of see like where planets are falling in, in, you know, each person's chart. And then um, I also like to look at like, you know, the crossway synastry. So like, you know, is your Saturn on my moon or is your Mars, you know, on my Venus? You know, th- those kinds of like basic things. Um, of course, like whenever I'm looking at synastry, like one of the big things that I tend to go for is to see if there's any Saturn, you know, happening between two people. Because, of course, Saturn will give us the push to actually want to work out problems or challenges as they come along um, and also kind of like push us to want to be our best selves when it comes to you know dating and and, and mating but i'm also <laughs> dating and mating, <laughs> dating and mating. <laughs> um but i'm also you know i one thing that i do tell people because like you know i see like the memes and things like that and you know people talking about stuff uh like i saw something that was like sex is good but you know have you ever seen my birth chart or have i ever or some 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 crazy meme like that but there's been a lot of talk about people like getting someone's birth information before the relationship actually takes off to kind of see like if they're compatible with someone. And that's probably possibly like the worst thing that someone can actually do because you're not, you're, you know, you're not really giving a chance for the person, the real person, the actual person to actually show up Mm -hmm. and live that chart. And so going to, you know, to the point that you were making, you know, that person could be very kind and very sweet and mature and all the things that you're looking for, or they could be, you know, a Donald Trump kind of character. Right. (laughs) Right. They could have actually already, um, figured out a lot of the lessons and, right. the, and the difficulties of the chart, the blind spots and be working through them. Right. So you could see something. I mean, like I would never want somebody to look at my chart with my fucking eighth house stellium and be like, that is a monster of a girl. Right. You know, I'd right. want somebody to look at it and be like, oh, well, yeah, shit maybe has been hard for her, but I wonder where she is in that process now. Right. And right. I encourage people to always keep an open mind with a chart. Um mm. Obviously, there's certain things that I love to see. My right. one of my favorite things is um, Venus Moon oh, yes. relationships. Venus Moon. So if somebody's moon sign is your Venus or vice versa, it's sort of like the idealization of love is how the other person feels, mm-hmm. and the way the other person feels is the idealization of love, and that's like. Oh, that's so Venusian perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that yeah, one. Yeah, Do you yeah. have a favorite of? Um, I like to see, um, sometimes I like to see moon, like lunar conjunctions, like the same moon signs, um, because, you know, when you talk about the moon, you're talking about, you know, can I like create a home with this person? You know, um, is this person going to like kind of understand me um, and where I'm coming from and vice versa. And, and for me, that's always a big deal because I have an Aquarius moon. And so like for me, like relationships is always like, can I be my quirky, weird, crazy self here in this space? Can I, you know, can I be safe here? And I think, you know, when you see the moon moon together, um, that's always nice. Or um, one of the other things um, I like to see is like Mars on the Ascendant. Because that could be Ooh, very sexy, very sexy, sexy, sexy. 
Yes, very, very passionate, very animalistic, very like, I like the way that you smell, you know, those very primal things. Ooh, I just got turned on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) When you said that smell thing, I really, my Virgo Mars just got (laughs) fired off. (laughs) Yeah, so this would be if someone's Mars is your ascendant yeah yeah. either like you know we'll give it like an orb of 10 right like Mm -hmm. five above five below right right right. Um, anything in that is going to be hot yes (laughs) (laughs) i also the fifth house too is a fun place to hang out yeah 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 um the fifth house um i think is cool especially like if you've been single for a while or or if you know you're kind of feeling kind of down on love and you want that spark, you know, and someone kind of comes along, activates that fifth house and you're kind of like, oh, wow, this is what it feels like to have that romance and to have that fun again. Um, I think the fifth house can be cool. Sometimes the fifth house, though, kind of can get a bit tricky because that can also be kind of like where we tend to hide our love sort of hooks. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Jessica Shepard, but she has a book, I think, that has to do with, like, fifth house stuff. And she talks about, like, how sometimes with fifth house, you have to be careful of, like, trying to recreate the same heady, romantic love over and over again and not really getting down into, like, the nitty gritty of a Mm. person. Um, Because the fifth house wants to say playful and joyful and romantic and not really sometimes you can't really see the person beyond that yeah so sometimes that can get a little tricky yeah the fifth house is like one of the most just like joyful playful fun areas of the chart Mm -hmm. but you know that's not all life right (laughs) (laughs) so we also need to figure out how we can make our fifth house journeys sixth house realities right Um, And how we can push those along into like, okay, can I work it? Like, Mm. does this actually fit into a structure and routine as opposed to just like, you know, a pub crawl? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like pub crawl is so fifth house. (laughs) It it is. It it definitely is. Yeah. So um, I you also shared with me when we sat down that you're going to be creating webinars. You're going to create a workshop series yes, right yes 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 is webinars the right way of framing um, it yes it's, it's a webinar it's a, it's a web-based uh master class and um i am co-teaching it with justin michael williams and it's uh going to be under courses for the culture so basically what we're going to be doing is teaching some astrology basics but it's really going to be about showing people how they can pinpoint their calling and their destiny within their chart so I'm really excited. Can you give us a sneak peek in one of the one of the ways that if you're looking at your chart that you can really right. start to get an insight into what your purpose is? Um, so one place that uh, we'll be talking about is, of course, like the midheaven, um, the pinnacle point within the chart that has to do, you know, it's like I consider it to be like the gateway to the 10th house, which has to do with like achievement and aspirations and goals and career and like what you want to be recognized for, um, especially in terms of like your professional life. And so what we'll be talking about is like, you know, for example, it's say you have your midheaven in Scorpio, then you definitely want to be someone that is very much passionate about your job, but you also want 
to have a career or have a job in which you're sort of like transforming the lives of others in some way. Are you saying this to me because you know I'm a midheaven Scorpio? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to make me start crying. (laughs) I'm I'm just a moon in Pisces. Um, but yeah, so, um, or for, for, you know, for me, like I have the midheaven and Taurus. And so, you know, um, a big chunk of my work has been telling people like how they can like, you know, live their best lives. And, 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 you know, a lot of it has been like, I get a lot of clients where we talk about self-worth, you know, and what it means to like value yourself and value you know the work that you do and who you are and how to take all of that and live an abundant pleasurable life so yeah these are some of the things that we'll easier be said than done oh tell it me is about hard. it tell it's me about hard it's hard yeah there's always ongoing work yeah forever and it you know i guess that we get to the point where it doesn't feel like tedious it right. feels uh important Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it just feels like it's it continues. The more work we do, the more it gets unlocked. The more it gets unlocked, the more work we do. And that is a cycle that we can always count on with right. astrology. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, that, that's one of the things that drew me to astrology, too, was the fact that there's so much to learn. Um, and even like with my chart, like I've seen it a billion times and I swear I still look at it and be like, oh, shit, <laughs> I didn't see that, <laughs> you know, so there's oh yeah, there's always work to be done, um, always lessons and, and, and growth to be had. And I think that's just part of life and, and the journey. Awesome. Well, where can we find you, Mecca? So you can find me at my website, which is mylifecreated.com. And then, of course, I am on Twitter at the mechanism and on instagram at one mechanism is mecca your real name yes that's so cool thank you my my sagittarius dad gave it to me mecca thank you so so much thank you Um, so much this is awesome you're great and i can't wait to see how we can put our charts together and do some nice uh taurus midheaven scorpio midheaven work oh yeah the full access yeah i'm into it Uh, me too (laughs) thanks so much (laughs) thanks